Welcome to the Faithful Fathering Podcast. This is Rick Words, founder and president of Faithful Fathering. Uh, thank you for joining us. That uh, Faithful Fathering exists to encourage and equip you to be a faithful father. And we've just covered several podcasts, a podcast series on uh, prioritizing physical presence, being engaged emotionally, leading spiritually by example. So we're, we're challenging dads to step into those three tenets. And I uh, have a, a guest here, Matt Hammersky, joining us. And uh, before I introduce him officially, I want to uh, always point you to our website, faithfulfathering.org, to check out, uh, hit, hit the For Dads button, to check out our vlogs and our history of studies that are available to you that will always encourage you. We're not here to, to criticize or uh, uh, beat up on you. You get that enough of that uh, day to day, but we're here to encourage and equip you to be the dad, the husband, the father, the man that you are called to be. So Matt, Matt Hammerfield has joined us. Uh, good to have you here, Matt. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks and he's, he is the pastor of Risen Nation Church, a dynamic church that I encourage all to check out that are in the uh, Pasadena, yeah, Pasadena, Deer Park area, yeah. and uh, or even elsewhere. You're welcome to drive sure. down to the beautiful area. Uh, Matt is a husband and father as well, and uh, blessing to have you here. We have, mm-hmm. We've talked about the three tenets, the yeah. prioritization of physical presence, being engaged emotionally, leading spiritually by example. And uh, here we're kind of wrapping it up to talk about, you know, we we want dads to be the dads the next generation needs to see you know mm-hmm. because as we discussed uh, kids catch what we have and uh and and likewise young men watch men today yeah. and see uh you know what does it mean to be a man and, uh, yeah. and the husband that i'm called to be uh to be grounded in that relationship with jesus the christ i i guess that's kind of the foundation for the whole thing isn't yeah it? yeah course <laughs> if you aren't grounded there you're grounded elsewhere That's true. and that elsewhere may not be on the rock that you that you need to stand on nope. but uh how how are you intentional to, so that that relationship with christ is indeed reflected in the home in your marriage and in the home um just uh spending time one daily time with the lord uh allowing my family to see that mm-hmm. uh you know obviously i know it is my we, we say our, our private time with the lord mm-hmm. but my private time is very public to my family sure uh, so it's not you know it's not a secret you know they know they know where he where i'm at you know like uh, my wife knows where i'm at my son knows where i'm at at certain times of the day he'll even come in and be like hey are you praying again or like you know it, that's just the normal for me as mm-hmm. far as what i've established and what they've seen and even our son as we foster him you know and about to adopt him i mean for the last two years that he's known me he's kind of picked up on my routines of kind of how i start my day uh what i do in the middle of the day he notices he knows when i'm kind of stressed he'll ask me because he sees me praying more <laughs> so sure. he's like hey there's something going on you know and, and um <laughs> so he sees that's where i go when times get tough uh, mm-hmm. same thing with my wife she knows you know when there's a big decision to be made she knows i'm going to be found in prayer first <laughs> before we make a decision um this, she's quick to trust me when i say this is what i feel the lord's doing she she says okay uh, and she will ask me that question will the god tell you to do it that's one of her favorite <laughs> questions um so i think uh, again just being grounded in my personal relationship with jesus i it, it really does affect our whole family it affects mm. how it functions how it operates uh, and if that's not right, uh, as we talked in previous episodes, it's uh, it's dysfunctional. Sure, uh, sure. It doesn't work like it should. Sure. So that's a big way. One thing that always rang, uh, stuck in my mind, I think I saw the eulogy for uh, uh, 
uh, for Billy Graham, mm. you know, uh, the, yeah. one of the great spiritual fathers oh, of yeah. all time, right? For sure. And you wonder, what kind of dad was he? Yeah. And they, they had all the kids give a, a bit, and then the, I guess, I, as I recall, I don't know, I remember if this is absolutely accurate, but the, the, the gist of it is, mm. is that the, finally the last son came up, and he didn't have much time. And he says, well, I'm just, uh, they, you know, my, all my siblings took all the time. I'm just going to let Classic. you know that dad was fat. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean fat? He was, he was faithful, he was available, mm-hmm. and he was teachable. Yeah. And I thought, you know, to, for, for a son to say that about yeah. a man as busy as, as Billy Graham was, yeah. uh, I just, I, share how, uh, how do you work at that availability piece? Mm-hmm. Are you available to your bride mm-hmm. and available to your son? Yeah, um, it's a priority for us. Uh, and I, I, as I mentioned earlier, um, I never want my wife to view ministry as the other woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because of that, I tried. I've always made our marriage a priority. And, and sometimes I do really well at it. Sometimes I, I miss it. Uh, but she's quick to call me on it at this point in our marriage and say, hey, I'm feeling. She's told me multiple ways I call marriage. It's something she likes to say. Or, hey, feel like I'm on the back burner. And when she says that, I stop everything I'm doing. Usually the next day I clear everything. doesn't matter what's going on. I cancel meetings. I say, hey, I got to take a personal day. Sorry, I'm taking a Sabbath. I'm, you know, and which is another part of that is keeping a Sabbath every week really helps that. And that day is dedicated just to my family, just to spending some time with the Lord and, and having fun, like not doing anything work related. And that has helped keep things healthy. Um, so that helps keep me available. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son knows he can call me at any point. Even if I'm in a meeting, I'll respond quickly. Uh, That's why I have this lovely watch because I can just respond and let him know I have see you. I'm going to call you right back. Uh, same thing with my wife. I always respond to her text. And if she calls me, even if I'm in the middle of a meeting, I will literally tell them, sorry, my wife's call, calling. Hold on one second. And mm-hmm. I have yet to have any man say, oh, well, you get offended. They'll be like, oh, yeah, man, take that call. You know, <laughs> and so um, <laughs> and that's what I tell people, um, you know, with our our, um, our staff pastors, if we're ever in a meeting and they're like, oh, my wife's calling me. Or I'll even see it on their phone sometimes. Say, hey, you need to get that. Because I know I know who their wife is like you know or a pop up my love my wife my boo you know you're like answer it talk to them you know like don't don't let them don't don't put me first you know and right, 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 um, sure. and so you know again with I think the theme with all of this is intentionality mm-hmm. you have to be intentional to be mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. that's just all there is to it right. um, make sure you make space for that uh, I specifically even at the new building we're about to move into I don't have an office there uh, we have a meeting space where I can have meetings with people if I need to but I have a great home office and. That's where I office out of. And part of that is because I can be available more to my wife and to my son and to future children that we're going to have. Fantastic. Well, that, uh, when, when it uh, comes to you, you open yourself up to be vulnerable for your wife to call marriage out and yeah. what have you. That is marriage day. Yeah. Uh, how did you establish that vulnerability to allow that, uh, that, uh, that warning flag to go up? Yeah. So, I mean, at first it was, it was difficult. Our first couple years of marriage, our first year of marriage was absolutely terrible. We, we loved each other, but oh man, it was every day we were fighting about something, you know, it's just fight, 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 fight. I mean, even our friends didn't want to be around us. We'd be out at a restaurant and just get in a fight. And so it was just, it was horrible. And so I had a lot to learn as a husband. Uh, thankfully, the Lord taught me very quickly, <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't uh, have too many bruises. Uh, but it was just in her being vulnerable, honestly, with me and letting me know, like, hey, this is how I feel. And I used to get offended because I'd be like, you're just, no, you're just not seeing what I'm doing. You know, that was the immediate reaction I would have. And the Lord began to challenge me 
and like you know why and i believe i heard this in a message one time and it really convicted me but it was it was more about are you listening to understand are you listening to respond Mm -hmm. and when i began to listen to understand you know what she was really saying and how she was really feeling that made me become more vulnerable and say hey for one be like hey i'm sorry i'm missing it and i'm sorry right i want to do better right let me know practical ways that will make you feel like you're being heard and you'll actually see some things that really help you in this area. Right. And then she began to, to really share with me. And then we just moved forward with that. And and we really have now since then. I mean, we're able to talk about anything. We're very vulnerable with each other. Uh, but that's how I do church. I mean, I, I, I live pretty open and vulnerable with our church. I don't try to hide things. I don't try to – because it's just – it gives a, a false perception that I'm somehow better than everybody else, and I'm not. Right, <laughs> and so, you know, and it also encourages the men in our church specifically to be honest when they're struggling because they're like, well, if pastor can be honest, mm-hmm. why can't I? You mm-hmm. know, and, and and all those kind of things. Uh, but it creates that when you when you are vulnerable, you know, that that's the only way you have intimacy, real intimacy. Yeah. And I think there are many people who are married um, that unfortunately are pretty miserable uh, because they don't have real intimacy because they're not vulnerable with each other. Right. There's so many walls up. That's good. Uh, and yeah. so that's, that's I think, it just shows the importance of what you're talking about, vulnerability. Right. Yeah, the, the transparency is huge, mm-hmm. and uh, we've seen that in other areas of life as well. But I, I do want to challenge the dads out there. You know, Matt is obviously a, a in ministry. He's a full-time pastor. Mm-hmm. But uh, don't think that that lets you off the hook, oh, dads, no. because you are in ministry as well. Yes. You may have to evaluate whether you're really practicing a secular ministry yeah. And, and practicing that in your home, yeah. or if you're indeed embracing uh, a, a Christian ministry yeah. of being the man, the husband, and father you're called to be. Yeah. So, but I can't give dads that easy out. Well, I'm a no. pastor. Oh, know. no, no, not at all. <laughs> in fact, it's, I think it's uh, in many ways harder as yeah. a pastor. Well, and you do, you know, and that's one thing I used to tell people all the time when I would see a guest speaker, or I would see an evangelist or somebody that I was like, oh, wow, they're really, they're a really great preacher or speaker or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would always try, if their wife was there, I'd always watch, look a little bit at their wife and see how their wife was looking at them on stage. Cause mm-hmm. that really tells the story, mm-hmm. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, is this guy living this at home? Right. <laughs> you know, and cause you'll see it on his wife's face. And, and I, I would say that too quick, just like what you said with the men is to encourage uh, you know, we've experienced a lot of really healthy, quick growth at the church. And, and I will give most of that is because we have a lot of really great men in our church who lead their family well. Uh, and they are they are doing community with other men mm-hmm. and, and raising up disciples and teaching men how to be better fathers, uh, how to be better godly leaders in their home. And that has impacted our church greatly. I mean, we're seeing growth. Uh, that's awesome and healthy growth. And it's because it really is a big of it lays that the, the men in our church are stepping up and leading and taking initiatives that I'm not the only one. You know, it's like you got men getting up and sharing testimony. You right. got men leading in worship. You got men leading in the prayer time. And so I would encourage all the dads listening, be be a leader in your church. And I promise your pastor will love it. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's a, that's a plug for faithful fathering too. Yes. I appreciate that because yeah. that's of course what we're about is yeah. to, to establish a pass a baton strategy which is activities and uh, it's uh, studies for dad, spe- dad specific studies and yeah. then it's retreats father son father daughter retreats but yeah. it's all about and what it's coming around to is that whatever season you're in uh, as fathering whether it's uh, early on as a teacher those teenage years as a coach or you're in my age as a counselor season of fathering hmm. then you do some spiritual fathering which yeah. is exactly what you're doing you, you're coming back around to say uh, you know, I'm here for you. I know yeah. that you're going through Valley right now, but know that, you know, I've been through that. 
And uh, looking back, I can see how the Lord was working through that type thing. So I think yeah. that's a, that's a spiritual fathering you're talking. Oh about. yeah, yeah. And I, I've been blessed to have a uh, in my own life uh, many spiritual fathers. Um, you know, uh, Doug Stringer being one of them, which sure. so many people sure. know. Sure. Um, you know, he's poured into me a lot, uh, and just many other spiritual fathers we have within our own church of men that have come in that call me pastor, but have pastored for 40, 50 plus years uh, mm-hmm. that I get to sit with on the regular that call and check on me. Hey, how are you doing? I know this is a lot. I know, you know, and they just share from their wisdom and their experience. And I've so appreciated that. So sure. it's, we all need it. Like sure. we all need spiritual fathers and, and mm-hmm. people, and we need to be spiritual fathers uh, to the next generation. That's what you're saying. What's the next generation need? They need more spiritual fathers. We need there's a huge leadership void yes. in many areas, mm-hmm. but it starts with leadership in the home, of yep. course. Yep. And that's, so that's what we're talking about. Uh, it, 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 I think one thing that the next generation also is looking for is that uh, maturing in relationship with mm-hmm. dad as they mature. How, yeah. how, how do you see that playing out as, uh, as your son has moved from 13 to 16 and you're yeah. looking ahead? Yeah. Uh, you no longer, you know, I, I, was, I always go back to uh, when my son was 15, we went on a retreat and, mm. uh, and he forgave me. You know, part of my story is that I did not recognize, I was working so much, mm-hmm. I failed to recognize him in the backyard. Uh, when he was about three or four years old. Oh, wow. And when he was 15, he forgave me for that. Wow. And told me I could use that testimony. Mm. And and I said, well, I've been using that testimony since, you know, I thought thought we had already talked about. He wasn't wasn't old enough at that time to really forgive me. But as our relationship matured, he forgave me. Yeah. And, And I realized right then, I said, well, now I can no longer call you boy because a boy cannot necessarily forgive a man. Only yeah. another man can forgive a man. Yeah. So we, we entered into a, a man-to-man father-son relationship yeah. versus the boy, the son, the boy-man relationship. Yeah. And that, that was a critical juncture in our journey. Yeah. And uh, it was also all very hard on mom because I yeah. went home and I said, Let's uh, scale back the mothering here. He doesn't need you to, to pick up after him constantly now. Let, yeah. let me step in more as a fathering role to, uh, and to mature in that relationship. Yeah. Any, any experiences along those lines? Um, well, I've had plenty of those experiences with my own dad, for sure, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in growing up. And, um, and, and it's also kind of taken a strange dynamic now uh, because, you know, now they, they both my mom and dad serve and attend in the church. And so, you know, I'm now seeing information of things of struggles and things like that that I didn't know about before. Sure. That wouldn't have been shared with me as a child, of course. But now looking at it as a different angle of like, you know, walking through something with him in the sense of just biblical counsel, all this kind of, which is different. Right. Mm-hmm. And so our relationship mm-hmm. is much different now than it used to be, which mm-hmm. is good. You know, mm-hmm. that's how it should be. Uh, and so with Michael, it, it is a. It is, it is different in the sense of like, you know, some of the things he's gone through, uh, he's, he's experienced certain things. And so to deal with him as we mature together in this relationship is, is one, I, I, I'm have him take accountability for who he is and it's his life. Mm -hmm. And so even with adoption, you know, we said, is this what you want? Mm -hmm. Because we want you to be part of this family. Mm -hmm. We love you. Mm -hmm. We see you as a son. Mm-hmm. You know, that's we, we even we have bio children, you know, down the road. All of a sudden, you're just you're another one of our children. It mm-hmm. doesn't you, there's no difference to us. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but for you, is this what you want? Mm-hmm. Because remember, like as we said, these kids don't get a whole lot of control in their life. Right, right. 
you know, if this is you or what you want, because this is about what you need. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about what we want. Mm-hmm. It's about what you need. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, yes, I, I want to be, I want to be here. I want to be, you know, I want to be part of this family. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and so that was the big shift for him. And as he matured into that and realized that's what he wanted, his behaviors really changed his, you know, all of these right. kind of things, but we gave him the choice. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of that angle of foster care is a little different is mm-hmm. because, you know, obviously your biological, your, your kids, that's, mm-hmm. they're yeah. there. That's the expe- expectation. But for a kid, kid like that is to say to make him choose and say okay i want to be right you know and and i think that helps you with the spiritual father dynamic Mm -hmm. is a saying of going to someone like a like a doug stringer and saying doug i really respect what you're doing and and would you would you be my spiritual father would you pour into me right you know and so this kind of goes both ways there of saying yes i will and and kind of entering into that relationship together so i think as your son too as he got older, you know, and as Michael continues to get older, those will be the things if he decides that he wants to have that kind of relationship with me and I'm available to have that kind of relationship right. with him. Right. And, and, of course, I'll give my input. You bet. <laughs> I'll let you know what I think. Um, but, you know, the fact is he comes to me now when he says, um, I don't really know what to do about the situation. Or I had this kind of weird encounter at school. Or there's this girl, you know, <laughs> it kind of, yeah. and, and he's uh, quick to come to me and talk to me because he wants my advice. Mm-hmm. And so I don't. I, what's going right now is I want to make sure I maintain that because as he gets older, mm-hmm. you know, and he really, maybe he makes some poor decisions or maybe he's on the cusp of making a decision that could really alter his life. And he knows, wait, I should probably go talk to dad. Right. Cause right. I know he's going to give me good advice. Right. And I know he's going to love me. And, and so I think having that, um, like as we've already talked about availability, vulnerability, all of these things and, 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 and being available to have those kind of conversations. And then as they mature, you're dealing with different situations and you have to view them that way. I think that's the other problem is you, you want to keep them as your little baby, right? right? Like your, your little one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you got to face the fact that they're going to be an adult and they're eventually going to make their own decisions right. and you won't have control over that. Right. So you got to prepare them for those, yeah. you know, because you're you're dealing with the cultural pressures, the other yeah. pressures they put on themselves, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and dealing with all their uh, whether it's self image mm-hmm. to uh, to the temptations or whatever. You're you're equipping them yeah. to uh, to process these, and you're there to help them along the side. You yeah. know, you're as a teacher, of course, you're in the younger years, prior to ten, you're you're establishing the groundwork and the foundation. You're working with a foundation you're, or that Michael already had, but you're coaching him through that, which yeah. means those that coaching valley will be low and the, the peaks will be high, but uh, but you're still uh, watching him, mm-hmm. allowing him to fail, allowing him mm-hmm. to succeed, and, and coaching him through both of those yeah. sides. And then, of course, you get to my age, you got you got to let go. And that's yeah. uh, that's what I always tell dads that, you know, what the next generation needs is that, that that confidence that they've prepared you, yeah. and that they're going to let go. Yeah. And and you're uh, that's but that for me that's the toughest season of fathering is mm-hmm. letting go because number one it gets extra daggum fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and number two is that uh, it it uh, uh, it's it's not natural. You want you want to be there uh, yeah. to 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 support and encourage. Yeah. And and while you're available, again, you're always available. But uh, you're not necessarily able to step in and call time out like a coach can. Yeah, you have to you have to allow that. Uh, this that, that, this that. is the yeah you're 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 on your own now, but <laughs> I'm here to support you. That that is a I think an important lesson. And in, in, uh, you know, instance uh, we had uh, he washes. He's got his main responsibilities is to clean his room, clean his bathroom, 
do his laundry. We've taught him how to do his laundry, all this kind of thing. Pick up after himself. He uses a dish, you know, at dinner, clean out his own dish, all those kind of things. We don't put a whole lot of extra expectations. You need to clean this, you clean that. We, we say, hey, we all clean up after ourselves in this house. Mm-hmm. And so to clean up your mess, all those kind of things. And so that's what we're trying to teach him because I try to explain to him, look, I only have a couple of years really to right. prepare you to be an adult. That's right. That's right. And so uh, while I kind of dismantle some of the horrible things you've been taught <laughs> and then try to build back up in a positive way, I've got to put you out there quicker. Right. And so same thing with, so his laundry, he did his laundry, but he left it in the washer. I was very tempted to go ahead and make this the teaching moment where I take all the clothes I knew he was going to need in the morning and go ahead and put them in a basket and let him know, hey, you left them in a washer. That's just reality. You now have what clothes. <laughs> and so, but I didn't. I thought, no, no, because he's going to wake up. He's not going to have anything to wear. So I put it in the dryer. I dried it for him. I put him on the thing. What I did do is put a note and said, this is the last time. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> because in reality, you're going to hit a day where if you don't do your laundry, bro, you ain't got clothes. That's right. <laughs> you know, so. And that's not acceptable in most places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a, so, so what you're, in summary, you're saying that the, the next generation needs dads that what? Oh, yes. That, that what? Uh, the next generation needs dads that step up, as we've been talking about, that care, uh, that emotionally will express their care. Uh, and that will fill in the gaps. And I, I speak specifically to Christian men uh, to look in their community because there are plenty of kids that don't have dads. Uh, and it wouldn't take nothing for you to step in once a week or, or even offer, say, hey, can I can I take them to their ball practice? Or, or you know, there's a kid on your team. If your kid plays on a team, you see a kid doesn't have a dad, root for them too. Bring them in and, and, and be a dad to them. And we need more of that because um, it, the – and I don't want to go off on a tangent, but on this, I heard this story one time about uh, elephants, and it was this whole experiment they had uh, with uh, these elephants that um, they took some elephants off this island because there was too many of them. So they took them over um, to this other part of the island, or it was another another island completely because there was too many of them. They were almost went extinct. They rebred them and stuff, and there was too many of them. So they took them, but they only took the the young males and the older females. They didn't take any of the old bulls, elephants. And they only took the young ones to this other part of the the, the island, and um, they started the young males started intentionally killing uh, the hippos. Like it was like they were intentionally killing them, and, and they were like, "What in the world's going on?" Like it was not a normal behavior for elephants. Mm-hmm. And so they literally were like, "Okay, they they tried different things. They said, okay, we're just going to bring a couple of the old bulls over here." So they went and they got the old bulls, which the reason they didn't is because it takes so much more to move them. Mm-hmm. And so they brought them over to this other place where the young males were and everything. And they said within the week it stopped mm. because the old bulls were like, "No." <laughs> You don't do that. And that is what we're lacking in today's society. We don't, it's fatherless. You got a fatherless generation and they're doing fatherless things Mm -hmm. because they haven't been taught. They haven't been shown how to be a man. They Mm -hmm. don't know what it means. They don't know what it means to be committed. Mm -hmm. You got men now who are getting married at, you know, I mean, later and later and later because they don't want to commit. And why would they, right? Mm -hmm. And and so it's all this toxic, you know, you got all this toxic thing. We talk about masculinity and all these things. And so I think what the next generation needs is they need to see men who are real men, biblical men, who are not afraid uh, to show their emotions, who are not afraid to show their passion. But when it's time to stand up and defend and protect and love, they do it fiercely. And lead. And lead. Yes. (laughs) And lead. 
That's a that's a great great wisdom. Thank you again, yeah, Matt, yeah. for joining us. And uh, dads, you know, we do need to be the dads. The next generation needs to see day in day out. And a lot of that is uh, what we do, making sure that what we do uh, is worth catching. They're leading spiritually by example. We're being engaged emotionally, and we're uh, prioritizing our physical presence. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're we're called to absolutely uh, lead the way. As, uh, as the men, the husbands, and fathers were called to be. There is a, a huge leadership gap. I think it would be solved very quickly if we established that young men are supposed to complete their education mm -hmm. at whatever level, yeah. get Finish. a job, make some money, pay <laughs> off debt, meet girl, marry girl, have children in that order. Yeah. And uh, that, dads, that's the lesson we need to lead by mm -hmm. and what we need to expect of our young men today. Yeah. And certainly raise young ladies that are looking for men like that oh, as yeah. well. That so, uh, Matt, thank you again for the time. It's been a yeah. blessing to have the time with you. Yes, uh, thank you. God bless Godspeed on your journey yeah. as the as a pastor and lead pastor there at uh, uh, Risen Nation. And I just uh, really am excited for what's happening in the church, yeah. what's happening on the uh, foster care front in the church, yeah. and uh, your heart for uh, for uh, men and young men. And uh, at, at, like you say, to dads, the challenge is on to be the, the dad you need to be for your family, but look for those opportunities to love on others as well. That's right. And uh, so uh, be the spiritual father you're called to be. Mm -hmm. So again, dads, again, prioritizing physical presence, being engaged emotionally, leading spiritually by example. That's the dad you're called to be. That's the dad the next generation needs to see. God bless God's people.